Greetings and salutations, fellow nerdlings. Welcome to The Hateful Geeks. Tonight, we're going to be discussing our reviews of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. What an excellent film. And hopefully we'll get through this podcast without Andy crying about his daddy issues. Son of a bitch. Welcome back to the Hateful Geeks. My name's Phil. This is Andy. And Sweeney. Tim. And tonight we are going to be discussing probably one of the greatest movies, let alone comic book films, I, I feel I've ever seen. I know this is the Hateful Geeks, but I am find a lot that I could hate on here. We're not, we haven't been hateful yet. Not yet. We might get there. They're going to get hateful. Yeah. But this was by far, I mean... I know you guys don't agree with me. I think it's better than the first one. I agree. I, it was... The fact that you get so many different emotions from all these different characters and they go through like a whole storyline, I didn't get bored. I didn't feel like I was sitting in a two-and-a-half-hour movie. I really enjoyed it. I wouldn't say it was better, but I would say equal. And that in to itself is still a compliment because, as I said last time, Guardians of the Galaxy is one of my favorite Marvel movies, if not my favorite. So this one, great emotion, great humor. A little heavy on the humor, but still great. Did you say it was heavy on the humor? I you don't like laughing? That. Whatever. <laughs> I, will, I, I would say that from a plot perspective and acting perspective and dialogue, this was superior to the first film. I actually feel like the soundtrack wasn't as good as the first movie. I will agree with that. But everything else, loved it. I don't know. It, it The soundtrack had its moments. It's been a week and I can't get Brandy stuck out of my head. They did play that a lot. But it's a good, it's good song. There's a it's purpose a before it, but right. it was like, all right, we know we know what it's about. We know you're a sailor. You're going back out to sea because you don't want to be with your wife anymore. You want to have a baby and then go rule the world. Let, let's preface here. <laughs> this is going to be a spoiler-heavy zone. If you have not seen Guardians yet and you're tuning into this podcast— Stop listening. No, now. keep listening because you should have seen this movie already, and this is your own fault. Exactly. So let's let's be let's go through kind of like what we saw. So we start off in Guardian greatness. They're in the middle of doing what they do best, which is just wrecking alien ass. They're they're they've been hired for this great job by the Sovereign, which is like this clone, this like species of golden clones, uh, super up their own butts uh, to protect some battery. I like them. You like the sovereign? Uh, I, I connect with them. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, not only are they like golden, you know, whatever um, creatures, but I think, and I have to go back and, and see it again, but I think that they mentioned that they're Kree, which is, I think, the first mention of the Kree in the Marvel Cinematic The Kree was mentioned. I don't think they are the Kree, but yeah. the Kree was mentioned. I feel the dialogue mentioned that the, the Kree are kind of uh, looking for the Guardians. They got a price on their heads. But they're not the crew. The Sovereign is not, not the, the Kree. The Kree. Well, okay. It's not the first, because wasn't Ronan... Ronan's Kree. Kree. Yeah, right. He was Kree in the comic books, but did they mention he was Kree in the movies? Yes. I don't, I don't know. Did they? Did yes. they? Okay. He's Mistake. resurrected by the a Kree Empire. Because okay. wasn't he outcasted because he's kind of like... He was an extremist. Yeah, he, he's all about the old school Kree shit. So yeah, so so they're on this the, the Sovereign planet, um, protecting the batteries from these intergalactic... I don't know what giant teeth slug monsters. I don't know what yeah. those things were called. So it's the first time since um, Doctor Strange where they kind of touched on the multiverse and the different dimensions that we actually get a multi-dimension creature. It's a, it actually he actually says you see the device he's using. It's an old school tech fo techno football game. We used to have like little dashes, and he somehow converted this into a um, like a dimensional, dimensional tracking yeah, device sure. somehow. It was so, so of course, these things come out of nowhere, and you have faceless monsters fight, and the and cue opening credits when Baby Groot is back in action. Baby Groot, it was one of the biggest highlights of this movie, hands down. You got I'm trying to remember what was the opening music. Uh, ELO, but I can't remember the song title. Even before the music kicked Blue off, Sky. when Groot, little baby Groot, like runs up and sucker punches one of those little lizard things, right. and he's like, no. They did not look at you weird. I, I think, hands down, it is the single best 
opening sequence of a Marvel movie. Sure. Yeah. It, it was pretty much fan service for everyone who loves the first one. It was just diving in. They've only been together for about four months, so you pick right back up. They're they're kicking ass, and you get group dancing, and you even get the play where where Drax falls down and he stops <laughs> dancing. Drax looks away. He's dancing in so little potted baby group, little throwback. I loved it. I ate it up. So uh, you know, push comes to shove. They they stop the monsters. They get the batteries. Uh, they bring them back to the to the sovereign. They and, and, and then you have you have Drax pop out. He thinks he did it all by himself. Of course. Well, that's that's dread. <laughs> and props to Dave Batista. Drax went from a very two dimensional. But don't get me wrong, a, a funny character, but not incredibly fleshed out. To probably one of the highlights of the movie. Mm. So so yeah so they so plot wise they got they they, they save the day raccoon insults everybody on the fucking planet as and, he should and steals their shit <laughs> yeah you're winking with the wrong eye Andy you're using the wrong eye wait oh. wait did you just wink on a podcast I did nobody can see nobody you. saw that they heard it see <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course they make their grand escape uh, getting attacked by what, what it felt like they were all at an arcade <laughs> the sovereign I thought that was amazing. It's clever. Uh, they, yeah, they're it playing right. man vehicles. They're, it looks like they're all in the arcade attacking them. They they get the 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 Milano, uh, the ship named for Alyssa Milano from Who's the Boss, uh, gets just straight wrecked. Yeah, it, it, it is in pieces. Well, they were chasing them because the one thing they were there to protect they stole Rocket stole. Thanks, Rocket. Dick. And they asked him why he did it. He's like, oh. Because I could. <laughs> Drax kind of did it. No. <laughs> but yeah, Rocket just thanks again for getting everyone in trouble. And it, it reminded me of Galaga. A straight, like, <sighs> like a 3D, like, hyper realism. A, a real life version of Galaga. Yeah, a real life version of Galaga. Because like, all the ships were just kind of twining together, ch- chasing this one point. And here comes fucking Kurt Russell riding a giant white space sperm and just decimates the entire fleet of Sovereign just and, and gives him like a straight up wink nod nod while he's doing it Wait, cowboy and you say you say sperm I say it'll be a giant suppository Ooh. it was a big egg it was it was, it was big <laughs> it looked like somebody's gonna show somebody's butt it looked, like that, it looked like the thing from train spotting that he went to the toilet for Wait, that was heroin <laughs> <laughs> but even before that we were talking Drax and throughout this cast I'm gonna throw out some of my favorite Drax because Drax he did. To me, he stole the movie. He had some of the best one-liners. So when they were about to encounter all this, and Rocket said that he was going to leave a turd inside of Star-Lord's pillowcase, <laughs> but it was going to be Drax's, and Drax laughed and said, I am known for my famously large turd. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of you while I was watching the film when he said that. Oh. That's kind of creepy. <laughs> I knew, I was like, Andy would love that line. <laughs> I laughed. Poop jokes I cried. Well, he had so many one-liners that, that so were his like normal... Like so naive and so like doesn't have any sense of sarcasm or just dense, but they were so perfect. I, I'm very glad that we got in dialogue Drax's retelling of how he met his wife. Uh, he's describing this grandiose ball of like dancing and festivities and partying, and then I saw her, and she would not even tap her foot, and I knew we were destined to be like that. Is so Drax? He found the one chick at the goth party who didn't want to didn't want to get down, and then he proceeds to tell us that he that she made his nether reasons engorge. Thanks, Drax. <laughs> Thanks for that image. I Thanks learned more about the Guardians' genitals in this film than I ever thought I could. Oh, when Drax asked, you go if you had a penis. Yeah, he's like, it's magnificent. <laughs> Uh, so Drax was great, but so so picking back up on the timeline, yes, we have uh, the Milano crashed. The Milano crashes. Ego lands. He's here to save him, and he drops the, "Hey, I'm your dad," which we found out very early in the movie. Yeah, incredible. Like almost damn near the beginning of the film. And anyone who listened to our last podcast, I just want to throw it out there: fucking called it. Ego is the villain because, as we find out, he's come back. And of course, you know, absentee father, he's already a villain in that aspect. But he he, he collects Peter Quill and uh, Gamora and Drax, takes them back to his planet, which is him. His he, he takes them back to him. Him. Ego takes him back to him and shows him this magnificent, like, bubble world that only Blizzard could have created. <laughs> right. So Ego Ego is a celestial, and he came into being and created himself as a planet and then wanted to see 
what else was out there in the galaxy and therefore created his own person in Kurt Russell. And apparently a penis. With, with, with a, a penis, but... Super important. Which is also a lot better than a giant planet with a goatee. That's now, true. How, oh. how good is Marvel at taking some of our favorite actors and taking them back to how they looked in the 80s? Michael Douglas... And now, oh my Russell. God, yep. you're, you're exactly right, Andy. We were completely wrong. This film opened up with a flashback to Ego in the 70s dating Peter Quill's mom. And he looked, it, it looked spot on. It did. He looked Even fantastic. His, the, the, the Kurt Russell little wink, that smile. I mean, it, was I watching Overboard? To me, <laughs> and I said this, I even said this to the person I was with in the movie. I said, is that Kurt Russell or is that Patrick Swayze? Because he looked a little <laughs> bit like Patrick Swayze. <laughs> he did look like Patrick Swayze. And I was like, point break. Wait a second. <laughs> well, you gotta understand that Kurt Russell and his in his heyday and Patrick Swayze were like Chris Pratt and Chris Evans and all the other Chris's that are like <laughs> that, that was their that was their decade to like be clones of each other. They only could do so many movies at the same time. Right. But I was kind of like, Patrick? He's back. He's back. We brought him back. Yeah, no, you're right. They look uh, great. They, the the make, Hollywood is doing a great job of using, using computers to make old, aging actors look in their prime again. I'm sure they appreciate it. And <laughs> even Robert Downey Jr. when they did the flashback in uh, Civil War when he was oh. about what, 18, 19 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah they looked made, great. They made him look 18, 19 years yeah. old. I thought I was watching uh, Weird Science again. Yeah, he looked like he did in Weird Science. It was it, fantastic. It almost weirded me out a little bit because I was like. Well, why does he look so weird? But it's like you think about it, it's like, oh, you're so used to seeing him at 40, you know, 50 plus, whatever he is now. Yeah. And it's like, damn, he was like skinny little kid. Yeah. So I tip my cap to the special effects yes, guys. Yes, definitely. Great. Well done. Thank you. Like the LucasArts could probably learn something from you guys. Like you guys did a fantastic job. So, so while, of course, while Peter's on his uh, magical journey to reconnect with his space father, um, we get to see the Stallone cameo. Yep. Uh, Stallone, Starhawk, one of the original Ravagers. Uh, uh, he, Yondu and his Ravager squad, Taser Face, are chilling in the bar drinking. And there's there's Balboa <laughs> in, in all of his, his Italian stallion glory. With all of their robot prostitutes. Uh, all that, You know what? I think that that is a, that is a business waiting to happen. Kudos to Marvel Japan or Disney or whoever did this to fit in... <laughs> Prostitution into a Disney film. You know what? Japan did it already. Ro <laughs> Robo Robotutes. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, so the Ravagers are getting blasted, and Yondu's like, hey, Starhawk, like my mentor, what's up? And, and he there's a, a small exchange of dialogue. And good just I don't know if Stallone is getting like a, a speech coach, but I understood every word he said. Uh, I know he spoke quite clearly and eloquently and told him he broke the Ravagers code. Like you dealt with kids, man. And I, for a minute there, I was like, what did Yondu do with children? Right. But no, that harkens back to the first movie where, you know, we kidnap Peter Quill. And apparently, right. as we find out, that was not the first child that Yondu was collecting for Ego. And we'll get there. We'll get there. We haven't got there yet. But we will definitely touch on that whole weird child abduction mm -hmm. thing. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it. Well, it was pretty hard to miss. This was one of the first Easter eggs also in the film on this planet. Howard the Duck. Yeah. Yep. Brought him back again. Thank you, James Gunn. Yeah, the the man Green. loves Howard the Duck. Yes, with Seth Green. With Seth Green. If, if Sethy gets his own Howard the Duck movie, I'll be I'll I'll wait in line for that. So if you're listening, please. Like I want to <laughs> watch that Howard the Duck movie. We want Howard. And please just don't let George Lucas near this one. The first <laughs> one we had problems. Or Leia Thompson. Right. Oh god. Dead? Alive. Alive. Oh, okay. Jesus, man. Like, Alive. <laughs> I haven't seen them in 10 years. They must be dead. They're dead is their on careers. Some crappy ABC family show. Oh. But there are a lot of similarities between this and some of the Lucas films. Just saying, daddy issues, go off to the plant, like, save yourself again, the team splits up. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of correlation there. But that's tough for another day. <laughs> I even I even like the costume design for Starhawk. Like seeing Stallone in like a Ravager ass Starhawk. Because you know, I mean, okay. So for those of you who aren't aware, Starhawk's comic book costume is like full body spandex with a hoodie and like big yellow feather things like protruding from his head, and he flies around like a plume. Starhawk. Yeah, a plume. Very nice, a plume. And I don't think that would have worked on film. 
No. So modernizing it, seeing like the shoulder plume a little bit with the lighting. I, I, you know what, Stallone, I, I, I'd love to see you in more of these. I think you did a good job. They had the, they had the yellow lights on his shoulder. Yeah. That I'm sure if they pop up in the sequel, have a helmet. Right. I, I see this. I see them. It's pretty much they are the, the first incarnation of the Guardians. Mm-hmm. We will see them we'll, again. We'll, we'll, we'll get yeah, there. We'll get there. We'll get jumping, there. We're jumping, way, we're jumping ahead. way ahead. We are. We're, we're all over. It was a little Judge, Judge Dredd-esque outfit for Salem. Right, a little bit, not not the quite as gaudy with all of like the you know decorations and the gold um, shoulder pads, right. but esque. So we've got the first inklings of like the rat of the Ravagers and like the disconnect between the Starhawk and Yondu uh, over the code of the Ravagers, and of course like the Sovereigns show up and like, hey Yondu, your boy robbed us. We need you to find him. Right, and we already see a little bit of. Uh, Unrest in the Ravagers. So Taserface, if you guys don't know, is Taserface. Taserface. Right. Exactly. Who would have thought <laughs> that guy would have been that funny? Right. <laughs> he is already questioning Yondu's leadership because pretty much at that point, Stallone's character, Starhawk. Starhawk. Thank you. I completely blanked. Has cut off Yondu and his pack from the rest of the Ravagers. Like done. You're out of here. I don't want to see you. We're not going to support you anymore. And you're done. And so they're already questioning him, and then the uh, the golden rods, <laughs> the gold patrol, right. solid gold. They just show up, and not only do they show up, they literally all show up, like the entire species in a straight single file line. Roll out that blue carpet. <laughs> <laughs> they literally roll out the carpet for themselves, right? And they, they so they hire him to find Peter Quill, who's off on his you know daddy adventure, daddy issues. And I, I have to say, uh, unfortunately, uh, my wife had to leave the theater uh, for this scene uh, for other reasons. But we, she missed out on one of the what I thought was one of the coolest scenes of the film, and that's the Ravagers sneaking up on the downed Milano to to take on Rocket Raccoon right by himself. Well, he has Gamora with him, but she's the prisoner at this point. No, you mean Nebula. 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 Sorry, you're right. Yeah. Wow. And like, and like we sisters talked, are flipping. And like we talked about in our last podcast, they brought Nebula back to redeem Nebula. Right. So yeah, that was an awesome scene to, you think Rocket's completely unaware, sitting in the ship trying to fix it with, you know, the, the, the prisoner. We soon find out he's playing all of them. Oh my God. <laughs> Rocket is a tactical genius, by far. He single-handedly wrecks all of Yondu's crew. And the only reason he even goes down is because Nebula gets free. Baby Groot, why'd you do it? Right. Traitor. Well, I mean... Not not more traitor, gullible. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he loves Rocket. So he, he was doing what he thought was the right, right thing to right. do. And then, of course, you hear the little... And there's the arrow. Oh, you know what? Yondu's arrow is... Probably one of the coolest space weapons I think I've come across in a while. Right. I mean, get the lasers pew pew, but tech telekinetic arrow murder machine. And we we find out like it's almost controlled by his. It's a mohawk. The fin. Fin. Well, it becomes yeah. the fin. Before we have the fin, he has the flat mohawk, and once that gets shot off by Nebula, by Nebula, he no longer can whistle and bring you know the arrow up. He can't get it up. Ha! Ha! It's a joke in there somewhere. Uh, there's a joke right there, yeah. in fact. <laughs> so, yeah, so we get Nebula shooting it, and she pretty much at that point takes control of his Ravagers. But what about Taserface? <laughs> Taserface. <laughs> they went on for 10 minutes. Rocket Raccoon literally just dug into this guy for a stupid ass name. And it was amazing. It was. Uh, when he asked me, he's like, do tasers literally fire out of your face? And he's like, it's metaphorical. For what? <laughs> Bradley Cooper. I'm cracking up. I, so I want to ask you guys, when you hear Rocket talking, do you hear Bradley Cooper? I don't. Not I do all. not. I don't either. I don't know if they're doing anything to like modulate his voice but or if he's doing a voice, but it sounds unique enough that I don't hear Bradley Cooper. I hear Rocket Raccoon. Right. Which is, I think, a testament to his ability. I think it is mostly him just changing his voice a little bit. Yeah. So I don't hear much distortion, not like, with Baby Groot, because obviously it's still Vin Diesel, but it's like this miniature voice. So. They definitely are upping the right. treble on that one. Right, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, we get back into uh, their ship. I don't know what they have a name for their ship, but the Ravager ship. Sure. Um, and we see probably one of those brutal deaths for a lot of the people is that they're putting them in the airlock. 
and they, they released them, and into, space. them into space. They literally GOP'd half the Ravagers that were loyal to Yondu. Right. Including uh, What's-His-Face from Braveheart. Oh, the yeah. scarred dude. Yeah, the scarred Whose I name know. I can... The guy, the guy in Braveheart, I know the scene, because his wife at the beginning of the movie is taken like, for, for Prima Nocta the first night. He's got the, he's got the very scarred... Well, he has the grin. It's the... What's that called? The, oh, it, uh, the Glasgow grin? Yeah, he was on Sons of Anarchy. It's Tommy Flanagan. Tommy Thank Flanagan. You. But he actually... So, I think it's the Irish Mafia that did that to people. And it's actually like a punishment. And they like put like broken glass in your mouth and they shove it in. Should we be talking about this? That's, that's what happened to him. Are they going to storm our basement? I hope not. That's how you teach I'm Irish. Irish. So, I mean, oh. I, think, I think we're okay. You'll get us out of it. Yeah, thanks, we're good. I'll talk about it. Nice. But yeah, that was like, for, to me, that was like the, one of the most like, you think it's just the one guy and then you this, they kind of fan back and you see this line of cold, dead bodies just floating. And I'm like, wow. It's brutal. And that was one of the first times you see Yondu actually looked defeated. Mm-hmm. He, you could see he was actually pretty crushed by this. You get a hint of that when he's on the planet with the robot prostitutes. I don't know the name of the planet. That's that's that's, that's the name for me. <laughs> Hooker, um, we'll call it Hooker Five Thousand. Right, exactly. Uh, you can see something's bothering him. Like he looks off. Like, he's not a normal like cocky self. He's very kind of. He doesn't want to go with the rest of the guys. He's kind of like. Feels defeated after you know Starhawk's character kind of shuts him down, but yes, definitely than that he was just he had no interest whatsoever to be anything there. So the 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 coup is on. Like the Ravagers are as we know them are defeated. Taserface has taken over the entire ship, and <laughs> Nebulous is pulling the strings because she just wants to find her sister and give her just the most savage of of, of sisterly beatings. Good good for her. Whatever. I mean, when Thanos like makes them fight each other, I'm sure there's some bad blood there. Well, I yeah. didn't care. Well, that's why she has all the robot parts. Yeah, she because the cybernetics. Her dad made them fight, and he, he told her, "If you win, you know you don't have to get this anymore. But if you keep losing, I'm going to keep making you better, so you're equal." Thanos it, it should write a book on parenting and then burn it because it would be garbage. But so 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 she gets her ship, she makes her way, and of course, dressed like a Ravager because that's the theme here. They work for the Ravagers. It's a they have. A uniform, and it, it it looked good. It, it's a cool setting for the piece. Like I'm enjoying it. They even gave one to Baby Groot. Sure they did. made him a mascot. Oh, by the way, the way that the, the, oh, they treated Baby Groot, I like my wife and I were looking at each other like these evil dicks. Oh yeah, it's like a puppy almost. Like you see somebody like, be mean to a puppy. Like why would you do that to him? He, you see somebody. Oh sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I say you you see this little guy. He's obviously not a threat anymore. Like. He is so tiny at this point, which is sad because Groot at one point was like, what, like 28 feet tall? I mean, just like massive. Like, he's just a little guy, and they're like pouring alcohol or whatever they drink. I don't know if it's alcohol or Wrong jet fuel out. or whatever it is. And you he, he, he see Baby Groot crying and just moping. I, I literally, that, that, that brought a tear to my eye in the movie theater. I was if like, it didn't, I'd think you were dead inside. Right, exactly. Yeah, you see a man beating his dog or beating his Groot, you kick his ass on the spot, yep. period. Agree. So, moving along, uh, we've got Peter Quill with his adventures with Ego Daddy, and we get the the, the quasi-romantic tale of his wooing of his mother. Uh, and, of course, Drax, in all of his glory, has to bring up his penis. <laughs> bring up, uh, sorry, bring up, oh, God. Wait a second. Phrasing. Phrasing. <laughs> that thing. Bringing it up. <laughs> But yeah, so Drax just does not understand Hugh culture at all. He's got to talk about that ego weaning. And, and then and then Kurt Russell confirms that Goldie Hawn is a happy woman. He does say it's quite nice. He does. It's magnificent. Yeah. Good for you. Good for him. Is it the size of a planet, too? Ouch. Well, and they actually address that because Drax, again, in all his wisdom, says, well, if it was a planet size, he would just crush your mom. Oh, so fun fact, in my theater, when that scene took place, about when they were when Drax and Ego were discussing wieners, uh, I watched a woman take her small child and leave the theater, <laughs> and they did not return. So Marvel, don't get me wrong, I'm 34, I love dick jokes, but you might have lost some of the parents bringing their little kids to these theaters, a little racy. I don't have a problem with it. Somebody did. Right. They could, they could put that warrant on next time. May it contain dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Planetary celestial penis jokes may be heard. This was rated PG-13, it, though. I was going to say, it is PG-13, and we're and this is the sequel to a movie that made a semen joke. 
a Jackson Pollock painting. Oh, God, they did talk about that yeah. in the first one. If you put a black light up in this place, they would just look at Jackson Pollock painting. <laughs> well played. You're right. So, yeah, there's a history of this. So you should have known when you were getting to Lady with a Baby. Yeah. Sorry about Shame that. on you. Shame on your child. Shame. Shame. Do I have a bell? Shame. Shame. <laughs> so, so, of course, the ego starts telling them, like, you know, you got, I need you to, like, help make the universe a better place. And you can help me by learning how to harness the light. Yeah. We kind of, we all knew that Peter's not mortal. Like, obviously, he can hold an infinity stone and not die. So, obviously, he's not a person. I mean, he's well, he's a person. Well, We're all people. Right. You know? Come on. Well, <laughs> all right. All right, PC guy. <laughs> he's, he's, but yeah, he's more than human. He's right. not yeah. homo sapien. He's, thank you, thank you for finishing that. There you go. <laughs> Show me your, <laughs> got a biology degree over there. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so we, we find out, apparently, he has superpowers that connect to this light. How did you feel about that? I sort of like Peter Quill as just like the, guns, the gun-toting space the scoundrel, very Han Solo, but now he's got magic light-wielding powers. I mean, I like it because it kind of... So we got from the previous one, wait, how can he do this? And they're showing us, this is why he can do this. It kind of, like, feeds into that. I mean, it fit into the story that they wanted to tell with Ego's plan and right. all that. Fair enough. But So he's found out he's got this godlike, you know, light-wielding abilities. And the first fucking thing he does is he makes a ball to play catch with his dad. Oh, oh who felt feels? I felt feels. Andy has no soul. I, I actually, that is one spot where I thought the visual, the, the effects, it did look a little off. The, him tossing the, it, I didn't, I didn't connect with it. It didn't, and like you were saying, I actually don't like Star-Lord having these mystical powers because he's the human element of this film. He's there for us as viewers to put ourselves in that spot. So... We it is five. what it is. I don't hate it. I'm, I wasn't over excited about it either. Yeah, and like Tim said, they needed they needed that part for the plan of the movie. Yeah, as we find because then as it goes on, we find out we think Kurt Russell or Ego is all I want to reconnect my son. I'm so happy. I want to be be with you. And no, you're just gonna be my little puppet. Yeah, but you're my the, battery. But the way we find that out is through some fantastic dialogue between Drax and the new character Mantis. Yes. Uh, I, Tim, are you familiar with the actress playing Mantis? Not really. It's like Palm, and I can't pronounce her last name. Um, Google it. I I had it on IMDb up a second ago, and then I lost I it. I know she's like French and part Vietnamese. I was doing some research on her as well. Palm. I, I enjoy her character. She wasn't... She didn't jump out at me like, oh my God, she's super pivotal to right. this film. But the way her and Drax played off of each other... Every single thing he said to her, I was cracking up. Oh, he calls her hideous. Certainly not. <laughs> he calls her hideous lovely. when he says, I tried to let you down gently by telling you how disgusting you are. <laughs> it's great. It's great comedic effort with Palm Clementif, I think is how you pronounce her name. And then Dave Batista, who just came from before Guardians of the Galaxy, came from WWE, where he's just power bombing people through tables. But this makes sense because he straight up bro bro code like negs her. Yeah. He, like right. the, he he pulls it straight from I don't even know what that book was, but he he negatively attacks her and she just starts like befriending him for it. So not cool, man. Wasn't wasn't that the dentist code? That's was the, the dentist system. The dentist system. What a douchebag! For all you always sunny fans Do you out think there, this will be a future romantic interest in the movie. Drax is incapable of that type of love. Because even at the end, when the gorgeous thing's going on, and he says, he even compliments her finally and says, you're beautiful, beautiful too. On the inside. So. <laughs> I, I, I think that the, the more or the most romantic thing angle in the whole series is Peter and Gamora. Yes. Yeah. Which I loved the, the scene where he is trying to talk to her about the unspoken... Thing. And again, they've only been together. This is only a four month span. Mm -hmm. So they haven't, they've been together long enough, but not enough for them to still pick up on his Earth references. So when he starts talking about Cheers and Sam and Diane, <laughs> and he's going on and on and on, and she finally is like, 
I've never seen Jerry. I don't know what this is. <laughs> Shut up with your Earth references. The, like, fir- the first two movies, the first season of Cheers. It's fine. Yes. That's how I feel when I talk to my wife. Like, I feel like, like I talk TV and I talk a movie quote. She's like, just shut up and speak English. <laughs> we all relate to that. I mean, we, all four of us in here, I yeah. think most of the time we're talking to each other in movie quotes. Absolutely. Definitely. And so I, I related with Accurate. that with Peter. And when she came back and said that, I did. I it, it made me happy. I mean, I think Peter Quill is definitely like, you know, nerds in space. Like yeah, he, anyone who's ever seen Farscape. Um, same character, uh, the main character of Farscape is constantly doing sweet movie and TV references from Earth, and everyone around him is like, nobody knows what the fuck you're talking about, bro. You can curse. Oh, okay. nobody knows what the fuck you're talking about, <laughs> there bro. There you go. Get it out. Feels good, doesn't it? It does. It feels good. <laughs> fuck. Yeah. Um, so we do finally get like that scene where you think Gamora might give in a little bit, because we kind of had it in the first, they finally dance, and they play music together when they're drunk. If you tell anyone, I'll kill you. Right, exactly. <laughs> And then she actually dances with him, which we kind of skipped a funny note. Another funny part of Drax is when Drax sneaks up on Quill in the ship, and it's like, she doesn't dance. Do people dance? People don't dance. And you don't dance. And he's usually find someone pathetic, like, like you. you. <laughs> <laughs> Batista, I think we talked about this in our last podcast, but uh, for a guy who came straight from the WWE trailer, people, he... Has come a long way. And granted, Drax isn't a super emotive character, but he delivers with such great timing and 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 and, and inflection. This character has grown greatly since the first film. I love Drax. I received a uh, a little not feedback, but input from our last discussion on that. And how dare we miss this one? Andre the Giant, Princess Bride. Okay. But we are. But the point of our discussion was how many people blew up in the world of cinema. Andre he the Giant was have. amazing. He would have. He was great. And Princess Bride is a personal favorite. Of, it is of, of me. all of us. Uh, but, and yes, he was great. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> He's he was fantastic. But he didn't make like fifteen films that grossed over a billion dollars. He afterwards. never got that chance. Well, that that was the point of our discussion. Yes. We're talking about ex wrestlers who made a new career for themselves as actors and entertainers. I agree. But he was above. I would say Andre the Giant was above the WWE. People outside of wrestling knew who he was. Agreed. Okay. Okay. Yes. How how dare us? Right. Right? So whoever whoever, uh, threw that input out there, thank you for that reference. You're you're still technically wrong. That's not the point. So so we've got Drax and Mantis, and Mantis is like getting, you know, uh, she's warming up to the the Guardians. She's... Mm -hmm. You know, she knows what Ego's grandmaster plan is. And but she hasn't quite. She doesn't know how to say it. Right. And Gamora certainly is, like, picking up because she's learning to read between the lines. God knows why she still hasn't seen Cheers, but she's can read between these lines. And we find out, ultimately, that Ego's grandmaster plan is to seed every planet in the universe with himself. Which, which he already he has done. So we find out that it's not just Peter was his child. It's a he, whole slew. He of went kids. to millions of planets and impregnated whatever he race couldn't. or creature or whatever was there to get a, a another celestial being. But we were treated to, and that's like from the original scene when he's showing the like the amazing. Uh, I want to say I don't want to say CG because it was all CG, but for him, for their perspective, it was those big orbs like telling the story of ego. Yeah. And you see the scene of him like making out with Peter's mom, but in the retelling, you get to see young Kurt Russell in like a gross alien mashup orgy. Yep. And I, I'm not gonna lie, I might have barfed in my mouth a little bit. Like this like diorama of like Kurt Russell tentacle porn. Like oh. it, was it was just like oh di- god, like oh I don't need to see Kurt Russell making out with a Cthulhu. It was a weird like a uh, mannequin esque. Display. I'm sure I saw a few weeaboos in the stands getting a little like uncomfortable. Wow. <laughs> so oh. we find out the plan, and at this point, Nebula has come back to re- wreak havoc upon Gamora. Just chases her down the literal rabbit hole of that. For all we know, that was like Ego's eardrum or butthole for all we yeah. some cave on Ego. Right. Chases her down, just Shooting the shit out of her. Like if you don't if you can't win in a gunfight, bring a bigger gun. Right. And which at that point when the ship wrecks, Gamora then picks up 
the gun from the ship and just unloads on the the, the, the wreckage. I had, uh, I'm not going to lie, I might have had a fear erection during that scene. She was holding a gun that was probably half the size of the Milano itself, like a bazooka, and just laid into the ship. It was the gun from... The ship. Yeah, the ship. yeah. Nebula's ship. Now, I did. I did. I, there's parts of that whole storyline that I see how it fits in. I also see if you removed every scene that Nebula was in, you changed nothing in that movie. That's yeah, I understand that, and I, I agree because I, I think we all kind of were in agreement. Like the Nebula plot line is really not going anywhere. That we don't see, we we kind of see where it's going, but you got to give more for the other Guardians to do in this film. And this was Gamora's subplot. Well, that and I think Andy's right. I think not even Marvel or James Gunn knows what he wants to do with this character. Because even if you read the comic that came out right before this movie, Nebula cuts off her own arm, but in the movie. She says Thanos ripped her arm. So it's like, can you make up your mind? Like, what do you want to do with this character? Maybe she herself isn't even aware of what's hers and isn't hers right. anymore. My but, prediction is Nebula is going to be one of the first victims we see on screen of Thanos. He's fine. She's going to go and be like, I'm here to daddy. finally stop you, Daddy, for doing this. And it's just going to be Nash next. And that's all she talked about. Yeah, she's going to go after Thanos. He's going to offer. Right. Uh, Gamora's going to be This is a like, film oh, of nothing but people with daddy issues, dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're 100% right. That is. Yeah. It's like Star Wars. <laughs> Which we all love. Right. So I so, love this. But I, I disagree with you with the one scene. We do need Gamora and um, Nebula fighting. That's how we discovered that whatever that cave was, where all the bones of all the different children were. Of the different species, and you see this almost like a giant. I don't want to say like throne, but a, which triggers Gamora to go to Mantis right. and finally so grab her. And, there is a little bit we need, yeah, not all of it. I do agree, but that one we kind of needed that just to uncover why why would they go down there? You know, why why would they go find this room? That's why. Yeah, I mean, it definitely forwarded the plot. So I mean, we can't entirely hate on it, right? It could have been. I don't know. It could have been. It could have been anybody. Right. Drax could have been just off for a stroll. And wow, there are many bones in this cave. <laughs> yeah. It could have been. It could have been done where just the grand reveal instead of the ego reveals to everyone instead of just Peter. Right. You know, yeah. That kind of thing. But then ego drops a bomb on it. I mean, I I did not see it coming when he and it's kind of Peter out of his like whatever that galactic trance, which some people are saying is another Easter egg. So when you see Peter's eyes glaze over and all the stars, he whispers a word and he says eternity. And some people are saying, did he see the Marvel character eternity? Another celestial. Exactly. Who in the comics looks like the star. universe. You're, you're, you're exactly right. right. Yes. He is like moving stars on like a human, on a, in a humanoid body. Well, isn't he considered to be like the father of all celestials, like he is. I Tim. think that I honestly don't know. Celestials are one that I'm not very. You know, I've even seen a cover of a, of a comic, and it was Thanos talking to um, Eternity, and he says, "Now that all your minions have died, the Father can rise." Your your Eternity is in fact the embodiment of the universe. So yes, from a celestial in the comics. Uh, as we've learned through this movie as well, the Celestials are basically the oldest beings in our known Marvel universe. Ego was one of the first, but Eternity existed even before that. Which we've right. seen two before Ego. Well, we saw one, the head of one, which was no, the where the Collector was. Nowhere. 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 That's the skull of a no, dead no, no, no. Celestial. Celestial. And there was another one they saw, and uh, I think they saw fighting somewhere, or like they get a flashback to it in the first one. In the first Guardians, yeah. yeah when he has the the stone, the stone right. gem, what are they calling mm-hmm. it in the films? But he has it. That was a Celestial. And I'd have to look it up, but I thought Collector was a, was a Celestial. Collector is, and so is Grand Master, which is which Jeff is his Gold, brother, which is Correct. Jeff Goldblum's character in Thor. Right. Yeah, so right. we have quite a few celestials already out there. So who would have thought we would have been at a time when we go to the movies and we see celestials, we see gems, and then because of everything that's going on on Ego and Rocket and and uh, Yondu, heart touching moment also with them and with. Baby Groot again, going through the hilarious scenario of trying to get his fin back so they can make this great escape. Jumping through 
all these different universes. <laughs> and what did we get? We got Stanley's cameo. Talking to the fucking Watchers. The Watchers. And it's not like the movie version of Watchers. It was ripped straight from the fucking comic books. They looked amazing. And straight up 60 foot tall bald people. Big giant heads. With giant heads dudes. and blue capes. And Pretty Which much. just confirmed wonderful. that everyone's just saying this confirmed it. Everyone's theory is Stan Lee himself is a watcher of the Marvel Universe. And here he is going, hey, and one time I played a FedEx delivery guy. Mm-hmm. Like Tony Stank. Tony I, it, I was grinning. Right. We get that hilarious thing because, you know, they're like, oh, we got to go save Peter from Ego because obviously Yandu knows. We don't know that he really knows, but we kind of can tell. And so immediately Rocket says, let's go to Ego. And Yandu's like, no. Oh, and their faces distorting. Because nobody makes that many jumps back to back. And they're, yeah, even Groot and Groot throwing up at the end. (laughs) It looked like... The exorcist green algae <laughs> shit just coming out of his mouth. There was no like emotion on his face. It was bleh. just bleh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By far. Oh, and pairing Rocket and, and Yondu in the story was a great idea. They are very similar, like gruff on the outside, little marshmallows on the inside characters. Yep. It, so their their dynamic between Michael Rooker and Bradley Cooper's raccoon was very well played out. Yep. I, I enjoyed. I think I could probably watch a whole movie with just them, like on their adventures. And that's and that's why I, I told you guys too. I think there's a lot more depth because you get to see all these other characters interact before. Which with the last one, it was more like one storyline all moving together. And this was like we get little subplots that actually worked and melded really well for the overall. I thought they did a very good job. The story, whoever, whoever wrote it, I don't know the writer, but it was very well well placed. Oh, it's James Gunn. He wrote this, and I was listening to another podcast and their, their review, and they were very spot on in how they there was analogy to all these Marvel films. The Marvel Universe is almost like TV episodes, all telling one story. And part of this was the Yondu episode. We got to see Yondu's arc in this film, and it was great. Like, I never, I would never have known who Yondu is. I never really had a connection to him, and they made me care for Yondu. Mm-hmm. So, the the grand scheme of Ego was revealed, and in all, we, we have probably one of the best cameos we've had in a long time. And they, Peter Quill in the film explains that when he was growing up, he didn't have his dad, so he told everyone his dad was David fucking Hasselhoff. And he was like, he was in a German band, and he'll be home soon. And Ego just gets really pissed off. And he's like, I went to all this trouble to make a form that was pleasing to you. And then out of nowhere, there's David fucking Hasselhoff well, yelling at him. Exactly. And the reason he gets pissed off was what we were talking about previously was the bomb he dropped on Peter. He literally told him, I killed your mother. I put the timer put- in her head. Right. And Peter Did snapped Peter that- hesitate? No, he snapped that no. out. He snapped that and just... Two guns out blazing, shooting a celestial, like, mowed him down. Good, man. You don't fuck with a dude's mama. No. Right. No. But then that's why, that's when Ego gets pissed and does the whole David Hasselhoff transformation. So, and then, of course, in great Marvel fashion, we get 20 minutes of, of just explosions and fighting and no real dialogue, but just ass whoopings left and right. But And then, of course, it all leads up to... Uh, the the guardians fully reunited, trying to fight off both the sovereign and ego, well on ego at the same time. Inside ego, inside <laughs> they they bury down, and we get uh, well, you know the scene we've seen in the trailers of Baby Groot and the bomb. No, that's the one that'll kill everyone. <laughs> and, and Groot like Peter masters his abilities and gets Groot to the center to to put the bomb, and then everything kind of. You know, goes from there and the giant Pac-Man and explosions and fighting but we get to one of the most important scenes of the film and that's Yondu and Peter Quill's escape from Ego right well because you you, you know you see for very emotional for me was you think Ego's gonna win and he's using you know Peter again for this battery purposes and you see him crushing all the other guardians all of them are getting defeated. You know, Drax is getting in quicksand. He's still holding up Manus, but he's under quicksand. You know, Gamora and Nebula are being encased in, like, rock. Um, Saddest moment, Baby Groot's getting crushed inside the inside of the planet. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, stop it. I am Groot. And then Yondu, with all of his gruffy and wisdom, says, I don't use my head. I use my heart. 
And then Peter just thinks back to all these flashbacks of all these happy moments. And he turns with Yondu. With Yondu and, and with Yondu and his mom and Rat Rocket and Groot and all these happy moments and just turns the table on Ego and starts using him as the battery and amplifies his powers. Which I love that message because, you, you know, family is, I mean, you're born with family, but for a lot of people in this world, you grow up. And your family is the people you surround yourself with, the people you, you that are in your immediate life. And even though you know you're blood related to this diabolical celestial sentient planet, these people that he has bonded to are his real family, and he remembers that. And it, then you get like giant Pac-Man that was, fighting rock monsters. That was amazing. It was you, great. You see, like going at it, like almost like I don't know, I don't want to say like a Superman like flying to punch, but you know, like a. Any heroic flying punch, big boss battle scene. And then you see him like pulling all these elements to them, trying to make themselves tougher. And of course, you get like the exact replica of, you know, ego in giant rock form as it was a human. And then you think it's going to be his peers doing the same thing. And all of a sudden, Pac Man. <laughs> I'm going to make sound. some weird shit. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like you said, at that point though, Yandu had that great line. Like, he may be your father, but he ain't your daddy. He ain't your daddy. And good for Yondu, man. Michael Rooker knocked this, I've said this before, knocked it out of the park, baby. I I swelled up, man. I felt I felt hard feels. And I was looking around at people in the theater, like, are you crying too, man? You crying too? No, I'm the only one. Okay, I'm a pussy. Thanks. Thanks for making Yeah, because he gives him the only spacesuit and pretty much takes him to space and just And when Rocket says, I have one rocket and one spacesuit. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Well, yeah, because Yonder knows, knows he needs to redeem himself. Yeah. Because he was the one that brought all of the kids, even except for Peter, to Ego. When he asked Rocket, he said, let me have this one. And you see Rocket's face just, he was sad. He felt defeated as well, but he understood. Got it. And when he kind of walked away, like you saw what was going to happen. We missed one of the yeah. best lines. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, was, I think I was going to say what... what what you were just about to say with Michael Rooker having a great performance and the best one-liner of the movie for me. Yep, by far. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. We do, yeah. Our minds are in the... Yeah, we were in sync there. Get out of my brain, please. Yeah. Is he cool? Is, is he a badass? Oh, dude, you totally look like Mary Poppins right now. Is he a badass? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> yeah, I did I found that. That's, that, that, is that has become like the go-to meme. Right now, it has been lately. It yes, is. I have seen that, and, and rightfully so. Disney, yeah. you have an amazing property on your hands. Remake Mary Poppins with Yondu. Yes, I'll watch it. <laughs> uh, so they they make the grand escape, and of course, and once again, we warned you, everyone. Spoilers: Yondu dies rescuing Peter from the black hole collapsing ego. And yo, I'm with Neil deGrasse Tyson on this one. The sheer physics of a planet collapsing on itself and you're going to rocketeer off of it? I don't think so, champ. Well, and this is not your normal planet either. Obviously, other planets have cores and they have like a magnetic field and they have all items that occur with the planet. We don't know that ego had that. We don't know that it rotates. It wasn't rotating. You saw a face at one side the whole time. Also, guys... It's a fucking movie. Hey, science. I need accurate Sorry. physics in my giant film about talking raccoons right. and Don't trees. Call that raccoon is a trash panda. Trash panda. Trash panda. Is that better? So much worse. So much better. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, so that for me, you know, and seeing the way Peter reacted to Yondu sacrificing himself, you, right then you, you knew that he, that was his father the whole time. Like, he treated him as his dad. He was his son the whole time. And, for me, that was a super emotional, like super emotional point because, like, you get you get you get the whole movie of Yondu just being awesome, like the Mary Poppins line, and like him and Raccoon going back and forth. Raccoon, then you steal Rocket, it from us, and then you just—he's gone. Oh, sads. But yes, Yondu by far stole the film. Him and Drax, but I think yeah. Yondu definitely the emotional uh, keystone or cornerstone of the film. Yeah. Um, of course, uh, you know, as Stallone told him, like, you will not have the, I don't remember what the exact line uh, was. But. You will not have a... It's the lights. The, the colors. The, the lights. Funeral. The banners. Funeral. Yeah. The, the, the yeah. special the Ravager, funeral. like, funeral Kind of like, you know, you have Viking funerals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a space Viking funeral. Right, exactly. You will not have this for the crimes you've committed against right. the Ravagers. 
he redeems himself in full glory by destroying, helping to destroy ego. They spread and the word of what he did. Stallone shows up, uh, Starhawk, Stallone, pay respect, you did a good job here, shows up with the rest of the Ravagers and gives him the funeral he deserves. Yep. And that, that was one of the, for me, the most visually appealing moments of that movie. So at that moment, though, I, I want to throw this out there. We had a very Empire Strikes Back moment. Mm -hmm. This is a very Empire Strikes Back ending. Here they are, sitting on the deck of the ship, looking out as they've lost this huge loss of their family. And credits roll. Yep. Cat Stevens' father and son, like that. That oh. song is just absolutely, absolutely perfect for that moment. And like, thank God that there was a bit of of credits before the first sequence because I needed a couple minutes of like, well. <clears throat> I, I, I I recovered now. Like, yeah. You can say it, Tim. You were bawling. Oh, I cried a little bit. Oh, yeah. A little bit of tear in that so, eye. I was, too. It's only, I think it's, for me, it's only one, one other movie that kind of gave me the same emotional connection, and that was The Return of the King. Mm. At the very end of Lord of the King, when the hobbits go to kneel, and he says, you kneel for no one. Like that, oh. same emotional, like, for me. I get goosebumps from that scene, bro. Exactly. Yeah, like the hobbits, if it wasn't for the hobbits, they never would have defeated Sauron. Yep. So Aragorn's like, no, you don't you don't kneel on anybody, definitely. That same feeling of of recognition and and success, it's just It mm. does. It just hits you right in my cord. It's just chills, emotions. It was tasteful though. It wasn't like a blatant, like it wasn't like a ripoff. It was like a it was an emotional homage. Yep. Mm -hmm. And well played, James it Gunn. It was very good. I enjoyed that. Um, and, you know, Peter, of course, gets a, a new Walkman. A Zune. A Zune. A Zune. <laughs> okay, real talk. Did anyone in this room own a Zune? Oh, yeah. Are you shitting me? Uh, yeah, I had a Zune. I never had I this. never did. I did use that. But the Zune was like the poor man's iPod. Right. It, it just not... felt to me that the Zune is somehow ended up floating out in space because nobody on right. Earth wanted it. <laughs> that's a good, that's an right. excellent observation. I found this shit in space. That's where the rest of them are too. <laughs> yeah, like, no, nobody wants us. So that leads us into these post credit scenes. And we get, and I apologize, I never remember the character name. It's James Gunn's brother, who was Yandu's right-hand man, who himself had touching moments in this movie. When he had that like absolute regret as he's watching his Ravager friends being murdered out just let out into space and he realizes. So he himself kind of redeems as well. And to see him in the post credit scene picking up the fin and the arrow and then putting it right into Drax. <laughs> right, right into his throat. Right, right in the neck. He's like, ah! Yep. Yeah, that was that was funny. Because you yeah. have some issues with it trying to get it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, Damn. Dick jokes in space. Sex jokes. And yeah, he finally he gets to hover a little bit and then it takes off and just drags us around the corner and right in the neck. Great scene. So yeah. I'm excited to see, obviously, a little a little tease. Hopefully we get more of him in, in the third installment. Right. And the next next post-credit scene was the, the original Mm -hmm. Galaxy, well, right? Yeah, it was Starhawk, Stallone, and um, and I'm sorry, but we've discussed this before. Space Marvel is so huge, this obscure, I'm not going to remember the names of the original no. Ravagers or the Guardians. But Stallone is there with the rest of the, the founders of the Ravager clans. Right. And they're getting they're getting their guardians back together. They get the band back together. I know Zing Rings was so, one. Yeah, so, so this iteration of the Guardians of the Galaxy... Are not the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy started in like late sixties, early seventies. So this team that Stallone is putting together is the original Guardians of the Galaxy. So you've got Bing Rames as Charlie Twenty Seven, and Michael Rosenbaum, Lex Luthor from Smallville, is Martin X, the uh, all white, the crystal, the crystal, the crystal, dude, yeah, crystal yeah, diamond character. skin guy. Yes, uh, Michelle Yeoh is Aletta, mm -hmm. and then the robot mainframe, yeah, mainframe. Is Miley Cyrus? Wow! Are you kidding me? Nope. I Miley did Cyrus not know that was mainframe. I don't hate on Miley Cyrus. And then there's the other Sorry. alien one that makes the thumbs up like magic thing. I don't know what that one is. That one I'm not. That one I'm not aware of. He I don't know if that's a new character or what. But he, he did the Doctor Strange hand movement right. and then made it two thumbs up. Right. And so that that is the original Guardians of the Galaxy team from like the late '60s, early '70s, and as well as Yondu. Right. Yeah, yeah, Yandu was a member was. of that. Um, obviously, they will have some kind of... You're not going to cast those kind of actors right. and not use them in the next film. Oh, of course. You can keep... Will me. they be a thorn in their side? Or will they be 
on an adventure with them as well. It'll be cool to see where they go with that. Well, look what Marvel's doing with the Avengers, bro. I mean, you can't keep the same cast around, and that 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 roster is constantly changing in the comics too. So here's a, a whole slew of new actors for Guardians movies. You can keep making Guardians movies as long as you can keep getting people to show up. Yeah. Well, I'm and I'm assuming they might be a thorn in the side because Stallone's last words were, "Let's go steal some shit." Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but that's Peter Quill's so I was fucking like, mantra. Right, yeah, but I'm saying, like, you know, so they might be, like, dueling at some point or... Joint forces. Joint forces or whatever. I mean, it was, could all be building up to Infinity where they all have to come together and fight in Thanos. Yeah. You're, I, I think you might be right. I feel like if we're going to see them again, they're going to show up as, like, an awesome cameo, like, going out blaze of glory against Thanos in right. Infinity War. I'd love to see it. But um, I think the post credit scene that just stole the whole damn movie for me was teenage Groot. That was amazing. Here's Groot in this in, in his in his quarters on the ship. It's covered in like branches and moss. Like you it, it looks like a kid's room. It's as dirty as fuck. And here's Peter Quill like and he's sitting there playing like the space version of Game Boy. And Peter Quill's like, hey man, are you gonna clean up your room? And he just ignores him. He's like, you're just going to ignore me and play your games? I am Groot. His voice cracking like a teenager. Yeah. One of the things that I liked, Peter Quill understood what Groot was saying. He sure did. He's starting, he, he's he's getting it. And that was, that was a great scene. Well, it, even kudos to Marvel, to the whole credits, little spots were saying, I am Groot, and then they would switch over to what they really were saying. Like, that's a good little touch. Now, during those credit scenes, the regular credit scenes, of just the credits rolling and the stuff in the back. We saw like little snippets of characters like dancing in like yep. circles and it's very 70s. Did any of you spot Jeff Goldblum yes, in one of them? Grandmaster. Yeah. Yeah. Grandmaster. So the Guardians will obviously Interact. have some kind of connection with Thor. Also, David Hasselhoff singing it, over it the was. Yes. Fantastic. And the next one, well, I don't know next one or very, one very them, end. We get Stan Lee again. There's one we missed. I know. There's one. Sovereign that we're like we finally created something that can take on the Guardians, and I shall name him Adam. Adam fucking Warlock. We get Adam Warlock. That will be your villain in the third installment. But Adam Warlock is not a villain. He will start. He's, he started as kind of a pot like a possible villain, and then turned. It'll be like, hey, we're on the same because side. Because I believe, I believe, like his. Like, first couple appearances is they tried to make him a villain for Thor. Huh. Huh. I did not know that. Thor would wreck his ass. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. So, and, and obviously the last one we get, Stanley again. Stanley with, with the, the watchers. watchers. And he's like, like, hey, like, how many I got back? Like, trying to convince them, like, get me some, get me out of here. Even they were bored. They're right. like, yeah. we've heard all of your stories. They Stanley's can't send them back because tonight. they're not. Right, they're not supposed to intervene. They don't talk. They don't. Although those watchers in the comic books intervene all the goddamn time. Sure do. They did a whole thing about it. <laughs> the first story, he interferes Galactus. Yes. So overall, I mean, like I told you guys before, I I thought it was better than the first. I just had so much more fun. And yeah, I think they did overdo some of the comedy sometimes, but I think it was all in good taste. It was very much fun. It was very comedy heavy, but there wasn't anything that I groaned at. Right. Vader pun or anything like <laughs> mm. that. Like I, I really enjoyed it, and I, again, I, anything Drax said, I was laughing at. Yes, uh, by far one of my favorite Marvel films so far. Casting perfect, storyline really well done, and I was laughing throughout the entire film. Um, the Cat Stevens song I really did enjoy, but the rest of the soundtrack for me it was just more like you know sultry sounds of the seventies. I could I, I've heard it right, before. Right led together a little bit but for the most part I'm looking forward to Guardians 3 but if the, if the ending is Empire Strikes Back I don't want a return <laughs> to Jedi Guardians don't need no fuzzy little teddy bears ruining my Guardians ah, I enjoyed the movie very much I'm looking forward to seeing what kind what's going to be changed in that dynamic because this one takes place in 2014 we won't see them again until Avengers Infinity War Let's say it takes place in 2018. There's a four-year difference between those two movies. What has changed? Because I'm kind of curious if they're going to do full-on Quill and Gamora together. Because at the end, when they're watching the fireworks, he does put his arm around her, and she comes. And she admits that there is an unspoken thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And back to our my empire reference. I mean, Luke puts his arm around his sister at the end of that. Movie. <laughs> but I know he's not related to Gamora, so now I'm having really questionable feelings about this. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so consensus: Guardians kicked ass. If you haven't seen it, you probably shouldn't have listened to this podcast. Right, I'm gonna say at this point. You pretty much have seen it, but definitely go see it. Yeah, you, it will, nothing we say will, will truly give this film the justice. It deserves at least one, maybe even two watches. Right. You need to see it. I, I'm going again this weekend. And I'm sure we missed something or some big point, so be easy on us if you want to call it out. But yeah, I mean, we just are so excited about it. We probably scuffed over some parts, but go see it. Go see it again. We loved it. So, yeah, I mean, thanks again for tuning into our podcast. Um, Hateful Geeks, uh, but the next time on Hateful Geeks, we've got a special treat for you. The four of us will be discussing the DC Cinematic Universe from Man of Steel to the future of Wonder Woman and Justice League coming out soon. So please tune in for that. We have a lot of bad things to say about Suicide Squad. <laughs> Boo. Boo.